Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Everybody feeling good? Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read the final verses of the letter. This is it. Paul is closing out his letter to the church in Philippi. And I believe as we lean in today, God's going to speak to us here in this moment. Beginning in verse 10, it says this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. How good is that? Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment. I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul, like every preacher, is not done yet. That looked like a final thing, but he has one more thing to say. Greet all of God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me and send greetings. All of God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Anybody enjoy the book of Philippians? Come on. It's been an amazing, amazing book. Out of those verses today, I want to share a message with you in the next 20, 25 minutes. And uh, if the Holy Spirit falls, we'll go three hours and we'll have revival. But I've titled this, write this down, Partners in Christ. Partners in Christ. Look at your neighbor and tell them we're partners in Christ. Again, if this is your first or second time with us, we're glad that you're in the house I'm going to be honest, up from up front, I'm going to be honest with you. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that makes uh, sometimes people a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm talking more for people who call uh, this place home, that call this place uh, family. I'm talking about giving, generosity. I'm talking about partnership. And already some of you are already tuning out and going to your phones. Listen, tune in. It's okay. God is after your heart, not your wallet, but your wallet is connected to your heart. And uh, all of us, I think we always get a little bit uncomfortable. We're like, ah. I just believe that uh, all the money anyways belongs to God, so might as well talk about it. Jesus talked about it. So um, it's not going to be painful. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to see what God has to say about giving. And I believe anytime we trust God with our giving, he always blesses us more and he takes care of us. Uh, So it's going to be an awesome time. Come on, why don't you close your eyes, bow your head, and let's ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you. 
for today. We thank you for this time together here in your house. We love you, God. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this family. Thank you for Calvary, your church, God. We pray that you uh, may have your way in this place today. Thank you for this Kendall campus. Thank you for our Windward campus, our city campus, God. We pray that you continue to bless our campuses, bless every single person on team, all of our team leaders. Thank you for our dream team, God. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Have your way in this service today, God. This is this is your house, God. Speak to every heart, God. I pray that today you may heal, open up eyes, set people free. Jesus, we need you. We want to see you in ways that we've never seen you before. We want to understand your word and we want to lean into you. We need more of you. Thank you for what you're doing in the city of Miami, all across. Thank you for every church in Miami, God. We need more churches. We need more pastors, more leaders to rise up in this city, God, because we believe that you want to do awesome and amazing things in this city. God, you are good. You're faithful. And God, we thank you that uh, tomorrow night, Kevin Durant will close out the Cavaliers and get his first championship ring because he loves you. He's a Christian. Bless him. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say. Come on, all of God's people say. Come on, 11 a.m., can you give Jesus one more shout? Come on, one more shout. I, I I really believe that there's nothing worse on God's green earth. There's nothing more horrible more painful, more, um, what's another word, more annoying, that's a good one, more annoying, it's just horrible, than moving day. Anybody hate moving? You know, when it's time to pack up boxes and uh, rent U-Haul trucks and paint and load, anybody hate moving? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I guess we got a lot of handymen at 11, pray for me, I'm sorry, I I don't like it. Don't judge me, I'll judge you for your issues, but... um, Moving day is the absolute worst. I think moving day is just painful, is dreadful. I mean, to begin to have to pack up in boxes and load up trucks is just like, my God, this is part of the curse of the fall. Adam, it was all your fault that we have to move uh, today. And uh, I, I think it is horrible, horrible to move. What's on top of that, what's a little bit more horrible is uh, when somebody actually finally moves into a new place and you go to help them out and they bought furniture from Ikea. And that just adds to the curse. <laughs> if you've never been to Ikea, drive past it. Don't even look at it. You don't want to buy nothing from there. It's a thousand pieces. It's going to take a while to build it. One time, me, Ricky, and Hedda, a friend of ours, invited us to his house. He had kind of just moved into this apartment. And he says, hey, why don't you come hang out? Let's go grab some dinner tonight. We're like, all right, check out the place. And when we get there, he's actually building Ikea furniture. And what are we going to do? We're Christian. And, uh, hey, we'll help you out. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Why don't you come to church next time? And we're all there. It took us like three hours to build that thing. We we ended up getting no dinner. It was just amazing. Uh, So... (laughs) But, you know, on top, on top of moving, one of the worst things about moving is uh, when people don't show up to help you move. I think you find out who your real friends are when you got to move. Hey, I'm going to be moving next week. We got a new place. Uh, I know you have a truck. We'd love your help. Yes, call me. Text me. Make sure I know so that I can help you out. Awesome. The day that you start calling, uh, like their phone goes on airplane mode, they, they're off the planet, off the radar, nobody can find them. And then you, you run into them about a week or two later, and uh, like, hey, how you been? It was great. I was actually moving last week. You were moving? Why didn't you call me? I told you. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just like everybody, 
everybody, and we have this attitude toward moving, like, hey, so-and-so is moving, they're going to be calling, avoid calls, avoid calls, avoid calls. I'm not here. I'm not here. God bless you. I'm not here. And uh, we lie, but we're Christian. No, I'm not here. And we, we have this attitude toward moving, like, oh, it's a painful thing. It's a heavy thing. You know, you know what I think, church? A lot of times we have this same attitude and disdain when it comes to the topic of giving. When it comes to generosity, we're like, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. It's our moment of giving right now in service. Do we have to do this every week? Oh, my God. Uh, right now, my phone's going off. Somebody said, I think there's an emergency. I have to go buy some breakfast for, my, for myself. Uh, I just, uh, uh, the container comes around. When the container comes around, we don't even like to look at the, you know, team, uh, host team. We're like, oh, my God, uh, no eye contact, no eye contact. Just grab the container and pass it. Grab the container and pass it. <laughs> if they say. If they see that I don't put nothing in, they're going to judge me. They are judging you. We told them to judge you. And uh, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> they're praying for you. And um, we just have like this like avoidance toward giving. Like, ah, yeah, just, oh, giving. Uh, why we do it is because it is worship to God. And so we're just like, ah, I just, we, we almost have this attitude like, oh, my God, here we go. We, we have to do this again. How many know that we don't have to do this? We get to do this. It is worship to God. How many know that giving, it is not an obligation. It's actually adoration to the God who's given us and supplied all of our needs. Come on. He's a good God. He's given me oxygen in my lungs. He's given me a life to live. He's given me family. I got life today. At least I can give him a little bit. So it's worship to God. And so we're just like, oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about this. And so we have this attitude toward giving. I don't know about you, but if I had a friend that gave me everything and laid down his life for me, and then on top of that defeated death and resurrected from the dead, and then he called me to help him with Ikea furniture, I would go over and move that furniture in a second. You gave me life. How much more a savior that rescued me from my sins that came and took my penalty. Oh, the least I can do is be generous with my God. This is what Paul is talking about at the end of the letter of Philippians as he's talking to this church that he loves so much. This is week seven of us going through this book. We've been reading this book together as a church, a big Bible study as a church over the last seven weeks. And today we are finalizing it. And Paul is thanking them for their generosity. As many of you remember, this church started because 11 years prior to him writing this letter, he had landed in a city called Philippi. When he landed in the city called Philippi, all of a sudden revival broke out everywhere. He heard that some ladies and some people were praying down by the river. They went down and all of a sudden revival broke out. People got saved. As Paul started preaching, remember there was a lady named Lydia, and she was rich, balling. She had, you know, the Louis Vuitton purse and the Gucci heels, and she got saved and baptized. And a couple days later, a slave girl who was actually demonized got freed, and she got saved. Actually, for preaching Jesus, they end up in jail. In jail, an earthquake happens. The jailer's about to kill himself. They preach the gospel to him. He gets saved. This whole family gets saved. They all get baptized. Revival happens in Philippi, and the church begins. This is how the church in Philippi began. We talked about that in week one, and the church started, and Paul was there for the beginning, and then he moved on, and he continued to preach in other cities, and Philippi continued to progress and to flourish. They're doing amazing. Eleven years later, for preaching about Jesus, Paul is sitting in a prison. He's sitting now in jail, and he has gone hungry in prison. He doesn't have no money, barely any clothes. They don't feed him. And the church finally realizes he's in prison. So they say, hey, why don't we come together and bless Paul in this time? 
And so they all gather together and they say, hey, hey, let's do an offering for Paul. And they collect an amount for Paul and they send it with Epaphroditus. Remember we talked about Epaphroditus? If you're pregnant, that's a good name for your child. And Epaphroditus travels 800 miles either walking on a donkey or on a horse all the way from Philippi, 800 miles to Rome to deliver this gift to Paul. Paul gets it. He's overwhelmed. Like, my God, thank you so much. He can't believe this. He's like, Epaphroditus, stick with me for a little bit. I'm going to write a letter that I want you to take back to this church. There was no emails. There was no text. There weren't even beepers. So he had to write this letter, and he sends it back to the Philippians church, and he's thanking them so much. It, come, it actually turns out to be a thank you letter, actually a letter all about joy because he's so thankful. This is a man in jail who is thankful of everything God has given him. Here as he's finalizing the letter, we begin to read that he says, I thank God that all of a sudden your concern for me, it was renewed and you gave to me once again. Remember, he's writing in the Greek, and when he says that it was renewed, he says, your concern for me actually began to flourish once again. It came to life once again. He says, not that, that, that you didn't give. He said, there was just no opportunity to do so. That means that every single time there was an opportunity, the church in Philippi always gave. Any single time there was a chance to give, any single time there was a chance to be generous, any single time there was an opportunity for everybody to come together and give, the church in Philippi always gave. That to me shows that every single time there's an opportunity in hand, we should always have generosity in our heart. Any single time we have a, an opportunity to be generous at hand, let's be generous in our heart. He says, I thank God that you renewed your concern for me. You couldn't do it before. Remember back then, they didn't have email. Back then, they didn't have cars. So they didn't know where Paul was. Paul was traveling all the time. But when they knew where Paul was, they were always giving him gifts. In fact, a couple of verses later, as we just read, he said, in fact, when I left Macedonia, when I left Philippi, in other words, you were the church that supported me more than any other church. In fact, he says, none of the other churches supported me. They were, they were stingy. <laughs> Anybody hate stingy people? <laughs> I know we're Christian. We're not supposed to hate. Anybody dislike stingy people? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like you get around that one person that's always like, oh, I don't, uh, I don't have, sorry. When we, were, when, we were, when we were, when I was young, before I got married, and uh, we, I always used to go out with a couple of friends, and we used to grab dinner all the time before you got married, after marriage. <laughs> Love you, babe. Um, but <laughs> always go out with, with friends, and uh, we always used to go out for dinner, and there was one guy, one friend of ours, <laughs> thank God Jesus touched his soul, but every single time we would go out, and it was time to pay. I think there's nothing more beautiful than all of us fighting who's going to pay the bill. Or, hey, let's split it. I'll throw my card, you throw yours. I got some cash, whatever. We always had this one friend that every single time, it was like, oh, my God. Are you okay? What happened? I forgot my wallet. I forgot my wallet. Oh, I can't believe I forgot my wallet at home. Get me. I'll get you next week. And next week, the same thing would happen. I can't, again, bro, again, I don't know where I put, as I say, I'm going to tie your wallet to your arm so that you never lose it again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's something happens when you get around generous people. When you get around somebody, that's why Paul left the Philippian church, not because he seeked the gift, but because they were always generous. People that are generous with their resources are usually generous with compliments, are usually generous with encouragement. They're always giving, oh my God, you look good today. You look great. You want a soda? I'll buy you a coffee. You look amazing. Have you lost weight? I love you. Oh my God. That's somebody that's generous because the hand is always connected to the heart. 
The hand is always connected to the heart. A person with a closed hand usually has a closed heart. And a person with an open hand always usually has an open heart. He thanked them that they always had an open hand. It was a church with an open heart who loved Paul and always supported. You know why they gave? Because they understood that God gave. Oh, they, they understood that God showed his hand a long time ago. How do we know the heart of God? Because we've seen the hand of God. God didn't look at humanity and keep a closed hand. In fact, he opened it and he gave his one and only begotten son so that whosoever believes might not perish but have everlasting life. Come on, if you're thankful that God has an open hand, can you just praise him in this place and say, God, I thank you for your generosity. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy, for your grace. God revealed his heart when he showed his hand. Jesus just didn't come down and open his hand. He opened his arms and he went up on a cross for you and for me. And he showed his heart as he opened up his life. There's nothing like people who open up their lives to you. The church of Philippi was always opening up their doors and always blessing and always encouraging. He said, no church helped me out like you. In fact, no other church gave and became partners like you. You always gave when you had an opportunity. And he says, man, not that I seek the gift, he starts to say. It's not that I, I, I'm in need. I'm not in need, he says. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. He says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. He starts talking about contentment. And contentment, it's amazing because when you're content, it doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. There's joy on the inside. He said, I know what it is like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to, to, to be rich, and I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to eat at five-star restaurants, and I know what it's like to eat sugar sandwiches. <laughs> I know what it's like to have a lot and to have a little. And he says, in whatever circumstance, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be. And then he goes on and he says, actually, I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned the secret of contentment. Anybody here like secrets? That's a good Christian church. <laughs> At the 9 a.m., it was like 20 hands. Yeah! <laughs> it's like a bunch of nosy people. <laughs> Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. The Bible says the secrets belong to the Lord. But Paul here is going to share a secret that he's learned from God. And he says, I've learned the secret of contentment. And whatever I am in... Oh, it is him who gives me the strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If somebody were to ask me, what is the book of Philippians all about? I would say that chapter 4, verse 13, it is the pinnacle and the summary of the entire book. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Not that I can do some things, not that I can just do one thing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He goes, I've learned the secret. The secret is not my strength. The secret is relying on his strength to go through whatever I got to go through. I've learned the secret of contentment. He says, I, I've got it. Whether I have a lot or I have a little. There was times in Paul's life where he had to make tents out of his own hand. He had to make tents because he didn't have money to continue his ministry. So he goes, I know what it's like to have a little. And I know what it's like to have a lot. In whatever circumstance, I've learned the secret. It is Christ who gives me the strength. I can do all things through Christ. Who we've gotten that verse and we've used I think this is a famous verse that we've used a lot out of context. For example, 
Some of us will grab that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hey, Pastor Alex, there's a cute girl at 11 a.m. I'm going to go ask her out and get her number. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> hey, I know right now I'm going through a difficult financial moment, but I believe God wants to make me a millionaire. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not gospel. That's not, that's, not, that's not biblical. I can do all things, but then we use it for sports as well. <laughs> I can score a touchdown because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we put it on courts. We put it on everywhere you see it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what Paul meant. And I can see how maybe you can relate it to some things. But what Paul meant was even if I'm hungry, starving, dying, even if tomorrow is my last day on earth, the only reason I have strength on the inside, the only reason I'm able to survive, the only reason he hasn't shipwrecked the faith, the only reason he hasn't turned on Jesus, the only reason he can still keep going with joy on the inside is because he's not on his strength, it's not on what he knows, it's not on his intelligence, it's not on his wisdom, but he says I can do all things through him who strengthens me on the inside. He gives me the strength, he gives me the power, he gives me the will, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, if I'm hungry, I can keep going because he strengthens me. If I'm in need, I can keep going because he strengthens me. If I'm near death, I can keep going because he gives me the strength. It's not something in me. It's not based on what I have. It's who I have, and who I have is Jesus Christ. Some of us... Some of us, we know people in our own community that we've seen this thing come to life. I can think of Lulu Mena, who is a hero. She is a widow who lost her husband about three years ago, and she's a single mother with three kids, and still every month she feeds the homeless. Still every month she's helping people. How do you keep going after a crisis? It's not her strength. It is through Christ that strengthens us on the inside. I should have gave up. I should have thrown in the towel. I should have turned my back. But God, he gives me the strength on the inside some of us were thinking about throwing in the towel let me tell you it is him who gives you the strength you came in here today like I'm ready to quit I'm done life is not turning around for me I'm against odds that are impossible I want to tell you you can do all things through Christ who strengthens Alex, but I'm uh, Alex, but I'm, I'm near homeless. Alex, I, I'm almost sleeping on a floor. Alex, I, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can keep going another day. And we're going to be right there beside you. We're going to help you out. Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. He gives me the strength. Whether I have a little or a lot. My joy doesn't come from my bank account. My joy doesn't come from what's around me, from what I do have. It comes from Jesus. I can do all things. Write this down. You can have everything. But without Jesus, we have nothing. You can have everything. You can have everything you want in this life. But everything without Jesus equals nothing. You can have all the money you want. You can have the best circumstances of life. You can have the best situation in life. You can be as comfortable as you want with everything that you want. But without Jesus, we have nothing. Paul says, actually, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Once I have Jesus, I've learned that I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to be okay. He's got me. I'm going to trust him. Paul didn't know if he was dying the next day. He was waiting. He was in Rome. And the Roman emperor at that time was the Emperor Nero. The Emperor Nero was probably the worst emperor to ever, ever govern Rome. 
In fact, what he did with Christians, he used to grab, he had a big old garden, and in the garden, he used to hang Christians and light them on fire for fun. The historians say he used to have fun out of seeing Christians burned alive at the stake. At night, you could see Nero's garden from all the Christians that were lit on fire at night. It was famous around Rome. And Paul says, that might be what I'm facing tomorrow, but I learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have joy because I have Jesus. And even if Nero takes my life, I thought I told you that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he continues on and he says, oh, I'm so thankful. None of the other churches gave. And they, they were stingy. They were cheap. <laughs> and, uh, but you gave. And I'm so thankful that you gave. He goes, it's not that I seek the money. I, I don't seek the money. I don't seek the gift. I actually seek that it is credited to your account. I actually seek that every time you give, you actually receive more. I want you to know today, church number two, that your partnership in giving actually comes back more in receiving. Every single time you give, you actually receive. This is what Paul was trying to say. He says, you've partnered with me. You've given to me. You've given to the ministry. You've given to the church. And what you realize is it's not the money that counts, it's what credited to your account. It is actually credited to you. When I went over to Corinth, he says, in Corinth, I wrote a letter to the church of Corinth. There's 1 Corinth and 2 Corinth. In 2 Corinth, he's writing to the church and he says, hey, the only church that helped me out was the church in Philippi. And so what God was doing in Corinth actually went to the Philippians' credit. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, we're going to be rewarded. But you're going to be rewarded by what you do on earth. And he says, every single time you partner with me, it's been added to your account. Jesus says, don't build treasures on earth, but build treasures in heaven. And he says, every single time you've partnered with me, it's been credited to your account. God has written it down and said, oh, wait a minute. Revival's breaking out in Rome. Now a church is starting in Rome. Now, now there's Christians everywhere. Now people in Caesar's household are getting saved. That's going to be credited to the church that helped me out. That actually goes into Philippi. So every single time somebody gets saved in Rome, it actually gets credited to people in Philippi. A lot of times we think that they're coming into a church and, and we bring visitors and, and then the altar call happens at the end and whoever's here, we give an invitation for people to begin a relationship with Jesus. And we think that all the power, all the, all the credit goes to, uh, first of all, glory to God, amazing, but it's whoever's on the mic. No, before that person ever came to church, a whole lot of people deposited seeds so that person could walk in. It actually, if you invited that person, it goes into your account. God says, oh, you brought somebody to Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. I'm not seeking the gift. I'm seeking that more gets credited to your account so that you're building up treasures in heaven. When you get to heaven, it's gonna, God is going to say, whoa, you helped out in that church in Rome. You helped out that church in Corinth. All those people that got saved, all those people that got delivered, all those people whose marriage were put together, that goes into your account because you did an amazing partnership with me. As a church, I don't know if you know this or not, but as a church, we help out a church in Cuba called uh, Calvary Havana. <laughs> a lot of you know Pastor Ricardo Bissett. He's amazing. How many know that that man runs a million miles an hour? <laughs> he's a fireball. When he's here, he's like, you can hardly give him the back. He'll just start preaching everywhere. And uh, he's about to open up a brand new auditorium in September. A few of us are going to go down there and celebrate and be part of the inauguration. An auditorium for 700 people in Havana, Cuba. Wow. 
You know, as a church, every single month, out of everything that comes into this church, we send him a financial gift to help him move the church forward. That new building, all those souls that are going to get saved, all those people that are going in there, it goes into your account. God is going to credit it to Calvary Church because we are helping missionaries around the world to preach the gospel. God says he's actually added. It's not that I want. It's that I want to give you more credit. All the fruit goes into your account. We got churches in Costa Rica and in Peru. We help our people in Israel. As a church, we give every single month to different missionaries around the globe. And all that is added to your account. Oh, it's the giving moment. Let me avoid it. No. Every single time I give, I know it's God is going to multiply, use it around the world, and more is being added to my account. Not just globally, but locally. Come on, week in and week out, there's at least 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, sometimes 100 people that raise their hands to make a decision. Week in and week out in this church, all that is being given to you in your account because you said, I'm going to partner with this church. I'm going to partner with Jesus. I'm going to make sure the doors are open. I'm going to make sure the AC's here. I'm going to make sure somebody can talk about Jesus on a microphone so that people can say that people can get delivered. That's going into your account. We have ministries here that every single month, Paul, he goes to the nursing home with a team of people. And they go over there and they worship with the elderly people. They preach the gospel over there. Every single time Paul goes with a team, it is credited to your account because you've given resources so that they can go preach the gospel. Every single month, we have George and Mo who go into juvenile detention centers and they preach the gospel to young people who are serving a long term. And every single month, people get saved. That's credited to your account. Oh, come on, church. We're taking ground. And God is using our resources. We're not trying to get rich. We're trying to expand. We're trying to improve. We're trying to build the church of God. And it's credited to our account. How many know we give God a little bit and he multiplies it to feed thousands of people? I'm not going to give. Pastor's wearing a new jacket. I don't like that thing. He's, take, he's going into the offering money. Close your hand. That's a closed heart. What's being credited to your account? Don't let somebody that abused the gospel in the past keep you from blessings in the future. Are there churches? Are there churches that have abused this? Absolutely. Are there people that have misinterpreted things and used it for their own gain? Absolutely. But here in this house, we're going to do this with a lot of fear of God. And we realize this is not our money. We're just steward. It's God's money. And whatever God brings every single week, week in and week out, whatever God brings for heart for the house, we pray on it. And we say, God, how do you want us to distribute this every single time? We're going to do it with wisdom and we're going to do it with fear of God. It is God's money. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's his money. We're going to do this together. He says, I thank God that you gave, not because I needed the gift, but because it was actually credited to your account. We have a God that is not asking, he's actually giving. How does he give, Alex? I've been giving for a long time and I'm still broke. Well, that's the wrong question. The reason you're asking that is probably because you've heard somebody misinterpret the Bible. Hey, give $100 and... God will give you $1,000 back. Can you show me where that's at in the Bible? Hey, Jeremiah 29, 11, Give an offering of $2,911. It's like, where do people get this? 
God will give you a blessing of $20,911. Let's not abuse the word of God. God doesn't need a tip from us. He's not a waiter in the sky giving us whatever we order. He's not a genie that's sitting in heaven. He is not Santa Claus. We don't come in here week in and week out and say, God, you've been good this week, so I might as well give you a tip. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the money in the world. He's given us a blessing. Let's just honor him back and say, God, I'm thankful that you've given me life. I'm thankful that I got air in my lungs. I'm thankful that I can breathe. I'm thankful that I'm alive. I'm thankful that I got clothes on. I'm thankful that you're a good God. He says, thank you for the gift, but more is credited to your account. And then he says, your, your gift actually went up before God as a fragrant offering. It went up as worship before God. That's why we call our giving moment worship. It's not under compulsion. It's not under manipulation. We don't come up here and say, you have to, 100 people, $100 right now, 100 people. That's not what it is. Let the spirit lead you. You talk to your spouse. You talk to your family. And however God has blessed you, we just say, God, we want to bless you back. We just want to advance the kingdom of God. Whether that's a tie, 10%. Some people say, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's what God asked for. That's the starting line. Some of us, we like to give 11%, 12%, 15%, week in, week out. God has been good to us. I'd rather trust God with 90 than trust myself with 100. God, I'm going to trust you. And he says, your, your giving actually went up before God as, a, as worship. And then he says, and God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. According to his riches in glory. Last but not least, when you build God's house, he'll build your house. You build God's house. You partner up with God and say, God, I just want to come alongside of you. I, I want to see the kingdom of God move forward. I, I want to see the gospel like the church in Philippi. They, they loved Paul and they wanted Paul to be well. And they wanted the church to continue progressing in Thessalonica and in Rome and Corinth, all over the place. And they just partnered up. Paul says, now God will take care of all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Because you've been faithful, you've been generous. A lot of people want to use that verse without ever being generous. Oh, God's going to supply all of my need. Have you ever even been generous to begin with? That blessing is only for generous people. You build God's house, he's going to build your house. And when I mean your house, I'm not saying financially. It may be. But it may be that he gives you so much peace that even if you don't have a dollar to your name, God has given you more peace than you could ever imagine. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. He's giving me blessings according to his riches and glory. He's giving me joy on the inside. I may be sick in my body, but I got joy on the inside. He's going to supply to me according to his riches and glory. I know his riches and glory are without limit. A lot of times we don't understand. Well, so, so God needs my money. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need our money. But there's something beautiful about partnering with Jesus saying Jesus you've been good to me I'm just I just want to be a part of this I grew up last thing we'll finish with this I'm a preacher we'll finish with this <laughs> I grew up with my dad my dad is, is a sign maker and he has his own business and my whole life grew up working with my hero and my best friend and since we were little 
I mean, we were five, six years old, and he'll have us out there in the shed working with him and making signs with hammers and tools that we didn't even know what to do. And uh, child labor. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's just like, hey, here, hold a hammer. And I'm just like, I, I'm not doing anything here. Like, you, you've got this. You're pretty strong. And uh, I don't even know. Well, have you, you just let me, I'll put this hammer right next to you. You can pick it up. And I can go inside and finish watching cartoons. <laughs> I was eight, nine years old. I realized over time that he didn't need my wisdom. He didn't need my eight-year-old ingenuity. He didn't need my strength. He didn't need my muscles. He didn't need my insight on how to build. He just wanted a partner next to him. And he says, if you partner up with me, I, I got you. I'm going to teach you lessons through this partnership. I'm going to teach you how to be a man. And I'm going to teach you how to trust. And I'm going to teach you how to do hard work. I want to tell you today, God doesn't need our finances. God doesn't need our money. But he says, if you just partner with me, all oh, the blessing that you'll get, the lesson that you'll get when we work together to advance the kingdom of God, then he'll supply all of your needs according to the riches in heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. If you're thankful for the blessing that God has given you in your life if you can trust him say God I know you'll do it again come on I've seen you move come on hands up let's see this out the mountains and He's a faithful God. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. Some of us today, God is calling us into partnership with Him. Some of us, we've given God our heart, but we've never given God our wallet. And God says, if you just trust me with your whole life, I'm going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Some of us today, we got to say, God, you know what? I've let conflict get in the way like we talked about last week. I've let circumstances get in the way. I've let situations. I've allowed people to get in the way. But my joy comes from working alongside of you. And when I work alongside of you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome conflict. I can overcome problems my strength comes from from you whatever your eye closed head bowed maybe, what is God speaking to you today it's a relationship that he's inviting you to it's a trust that he's inviting you to it's a complete reliance upon him and not ourselves through hell and high water through good times and bad times through plenty through nothing it's trusting in him whatever your eye closed head bowed if you're in here today and you're saying Alex I, I don't know this God I'm far from God somebody invited me here today for the first time
Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe it's your second time. Or maybe you've been coming for a little bit and you say, Alex, I don't, I don't know this God. I'm far from God. I don't have a relationship with God. In fact, you're in here and you're thinking God wants nothing to do with you. Can I tell you, he wants everything to do with you. Maybe you're thinking, Alex, but you don't know my story. I've done some stuff that I'm not proud of. And I've been trying to follow my own path, trying to follow my own ways. And, and I just haven't found peace. I haven't found happiness. I, I've been going all over the place and my life is broken. I'm a mess. I'm full of guilt and shame for some of these things. I may not know your story, but I want to tell you today, God knows your story. God knows your entire story and he loves you. It is not a coincidence. It is not a mistake. It is not an accident that you're here today. You're here today because God brought you. And he brought you because he wanted you to know this one thing. He loves you. He loves you so much. The Bible says that all of us, we are sinners. There's not one perfect person in this place today. We've all failed God. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. We've sinned. We've offended God. We've done wrong, thought wrong. Every single person. Humanity has sinned against God. All of us have done stuff that we're ashamed of, embarrassed, guilty of. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God, but God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. The Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed all of your sin, my sin. He grabbed all of our flaws, our mistakes, our failures, our guilt, our shame. Jesus went up on a cross with the sins of the world on his shoulders, past, present, and future. And he died for the sins of humanity. He went into a grave for three days, and after three days, Jesus resurrected. He defeated sin and death for you and for me. The Bible says that Jesus, he's alive. And we believe he's alive. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus, he is Lord, you will be saved. Today, some of you need to start a relationship with Jesus in this place today. Some of you need a brand new beginning. You need a brand new start. With every eye closed, every head bowed, all across this place. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I count to three and you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. I want a relationship with God. I want the peace of God. I want a brand new start. I want forgiveness of my sins. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I'm just going to see you, and then you can put it right back down. It's just an outside declaration of what's happening on the inside of your heart. Here in the auditorium, in the overflow, on the radio, or online, if you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, at the count of three, you raise your hand all over this place. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Come on, as high as you can. Lock that elbow as high as you can. Amazing, 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 amazing. God bless you. 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 I see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Anybody else in the overflow, you raise your hand. Come on, God is good. You raise your hand. All of you who raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, the whole church, we're going to repeat it out loud. All we're doing is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. We're all going to say this together. I believe that God, he's here right now. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected Jesus come into my life be my Lord and be my Savior from today on I'm forgiven I'm saved and I'm healed in Jesus name amen and amen we hope today's message has encouraged you don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.